Thank you so much, John. We are excited to have Dan and Sarah as candidates for this important position. And I want to commend the uh, search committee that put in not just hours and days of work, but months of work, finally coming to this conclusion in which we strongly believe the Lord is leading us. And as John mentioned, you will be getting more information in the days and weeks to come. Well, this morning, whether you're here in the auditorium or watching by live stream, we are not only going to return to our study of the Gospel of John, but we are going to prepare our hearts for the communion service, for sharing the Lord's Supper together. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn to John chapter 5 and verses 30 through 37. John chapter 5 and verses 30 through 37. Let me read that for you. Jesus is speaking and it says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. I want to thank Pastor Chad for preaching last uh, weekend, Labor Day weekend, while I was gone. And so now we are back in our regular study of the Gospel of John, and if you've been with us, you may know that at the beginning of this chapter, everything is set off by a miracle that Jesus does. There is a man who had been an invalid for 38 years, and Jesus comes to him and tells him to get up, take up his mat, and walk. And he is miraculously and instantaneously healed. And the Jewish religious leaders, we don't know exactly who they were, but they were probably representatives of the scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law, are furious with Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day. And so they have this confrontation. These Jewish religious leaders were totally distorting the good and honorable and merciful and kind purpose of the Sabbath. And that brings us to our first point this morning, and that is Jesus' testimony. Jesus is engaged in an extended conversation with the Jewish leaders in which he declares that he is equal with God the Father. He says to them that my Father is working until now and I am working. And what Jesus is saying is that my Father is always about the work of doing good and showing mercy and kindness, even on the Sabbath day. And I am doing the work my Father is doing. Well, the Jews were furious with this. It says in verse 18 that they were trying all the more to kill him because not only was he healing on the Sabbath day, but he was claiming that God is his father, making himself equal with God. And that is exactly what Jesus was doing. 
they did understand that he is claiming to be equal with God the Father. And then we move down through John chapter 5, and we see the beautiful inner working of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working in perfect harmony and unity together. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. Whatever the Son sees the Father doing, that is what he does. And then we saw that Jesus is the source of eternal life. Then we saw that Jesus, as the second person of the Trinity, is the one to whom responsibility has been given to be the final judge of all men and women at the end of time. All judgment has been given to the Son. And then Jesus makes that bold statement. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you really don't believe in God. You can say whatever you want. But if you say you believe the Father, you must believe the Son. And then two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at that powerful passage of Scripture where we see that the very voice of the Son of God is bringing spiritual revival, is bringing spiritual life to people right now as they believe in him and come to eternal life. But we also saw that it is the mighty voice of the Son of God that is going to raise all the bodies of everyone who has ever lived at the end of time, some to a resurrection of life and some to a resurrection of judgment. And that brings us to the scripture text that we're looking at this morning. In the passage that we are looking at this morning, Jesus appeals to the greatest witness of all, God the Father. And if you remember nothing else when you leave this morning, I want you to remember that Jesus is claiming to be equal with God and he appeals to the highest possible authority in the universe and that is God the Father. In verse 30, and I want you to notice something in verse 30. It's a subtle little thing but important here. All throughout John chapter 5, Jesus has been referring to himself in the third person. He's the Son. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. Now he uses the first person, I. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. It doesn't mean that Jesus is powerless. It doesn't mean that at all. He is simply reiterating what he said earlier in that he is in perfect harmony with the Father. Whatever one does, the other does. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There is this complete harmony. It's not the Father and the Son. It's the Father and the Son working together in complete unity. And then in verse 31, he says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now, some have read verse 31 and got hung up on it because it appears that Jesus is saying, If I just testify, don't believe me. And that his testimony, it's like his testimony is not credible, but that's not what's happening here at all. Jesus in verse 31 is using a tactic that people use even today, and that is appealing to the particular audience to whom he is speaking. Remember, he is speaking to Jewish religious leaders. They um, 
practiced Jewish law court as found in the book of Deuteronomy that every issue, every claim had to be verified by at least two witnesses. So there is this sense in which Jesus is condescending to their level to help them to understand what he is saying. If I alone bear witness about myself according to your estimation, my testimony is not true. So he says in verse 32, There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. He is referring in verse 32 to God the Father. This is the key verse in the entire text. There is one who bears witness to me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. And that witness is my Father. That witness is God the Father. And I want you to think carefully to whom Jesus is speaking again. He is speaking to these Jewish religious leaders who claimed that they believe in God, they worship God, and they obey God. So he is saying to them, the God who you claim to believe, the God whom you claim to worship, the God whom you claim to obey, he is the one who bears witness of me. How can you say you don't believe in me if you say you believe in him? Again, Jesus is appealing to the highest possible source in all of the universe. It is the creator of heaven and earth. It is God, God the Father. There is no one higher to give testimony to Jesus. R.C. Sproul writes this. He says, if God Almighty opens his holy mouth and declares something, we don't need another witness. It's over. It's settled. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. It is my Father. It is my Father who bears witness to me. And that's our second point this morning, the witness of the Father. We're going to look at three witnesses this morning. We're going to look at the witness of John the Baptist. We're going to look at the witness of the works of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the witness of Holy Scripture. Now, this morning we're going to look at two of them. Next week we'll look at the third one because we're having communion this morning. There isn't time to go into all three. But what is important for all of us, what I really want you to grasp with, the, grasp with me this morning, there aren't, in essence, three witnesses. There's one witness, and that is God the Father. It is God the Father witnessing through John the Baptist. It is God the Father witnessing through the works of Jesus. It is God the Father witnessing through the words of Holy Scripture. So let's look at these one at a time. First, we have the witness of the Father through John the Baptist. In verse 33, it says, You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. The Father witnessed through the mighty message and life of John the Baptist. And Jesus says, You sent for him, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now, let's go back to where we were. In John chapter 1, you may remember me sharing this with you. But when John the Baptist was ministering on the earth, he was immensely popular. The Gospels tell us a number of times that multitudes went out to hear John the Baptist. There was a point early in Jesus' ministry 
where John the Baptist was more and more popular, attracted more people than Jesus did early on. If you lived in that part of the world at that time in history, you knew, every Jewish person knew who John the Baptist was. And even if they disagreed with him, at least they respected him. And John, or excuse me, Jesus says, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. And then in verse 34, Jesus says, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. It's not that I needed a man's testimony, but John was sent to you. I say these things to you that you may be saved because John was sent to you to preach the message of salvation. Of all that John preached, his primary message was a message of salvation. He was preparing the way for the Messiah, preparing the way for the Savior who was to come, preparing the way, crying out in the wilderness for the, for the one who was to come. But his primary message is he is coming to bring salvation. He is coming to bring the true salvation of God, to show us how our souls can be saved. We think of that great verse in John chapter 1 and verse 29 where it says, The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that great summation of the gospel, and in a sense, the great summation of all John's message. Behold, here's the one I've been preaching about. Here's the one I've been talking about. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Even his father, John's father, Zechariah, after John was born, And Zechariah prophesied in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He says, my son has been born so that he might bring salvation, so that he might tell you the message of salvation. In Luke chapter 1 and verses 76 and 77, Zechariah says of his son John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now watch this to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. That's why John came. That's why John came, to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And then in verse 35, Jesus says of John, he was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. And he was, when John was on the earth, he was a burning and shining lamp. Jesus is the light of the world, but John was a burning and shining reflection, a burning and shining lamp. Remember what it says in John chapter 1. He was not the light. John was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. And he says... John came for a while, a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice in his light for a while. So the first testimony of God the Father about the deity of God the Son is his witness through John the Baptist. 
Second, we have the witness of the Father through the works of Jesus. Look at verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Notice that. The very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. It is the Father's witness through my works. The first testimony through John is great. This testimony is even greater. Now, when Jesus speaks of works here, it refers broadly to all of his works, to his teaching, to his miracles, to his raising of the dead, to the compassion and kindness and mercy that he showed to the downtrodden. But what a good reminder for us, a good lesson to be reminded of for all of us this morning, the miracles of Jesus. Jesus primarily did miracles to verify the claims that he made about himself. The miracles of Jesus substantiate, they verify that he is the Son of God, that he is equal with God, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, who was to come. So Jesus' miracles aren't necessarily things we're supposed to go out and try to duplicate They are the evidence that he is who he says he is. You know who understood this? You know who understood this? Nicodemus did when he came to Jesus. If you remember back in John chapter 3 and verse 2, it says this man, referring to Nicodemus, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now watch this. For no one can do these signs, no one can do these miracles, no one can do these works that you do unless God is with him. There's no way you could be doing these things unless God is with you in some kind of special way. So we have the witness of the Father through John the Baptist, and we have the witness of the Father through the works of Jesus And then we have the witness of the Father through the words of Scripture. In verse 37, it says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. We're going to look at this next week, as I mentioned earlier. But what we're going to see is that the Jewish leaders to whom he appeals claimed that they believed the Scriptures, but it was their very Scriptures, their own Scriptures, that bore witness to the fact that the Father was approving the Son and everything the Son says about himself. But as we go to communion this morning, this is what I want you to really think about. The one who died for you, The one who took your place on the cross was God himself. It was God himself dying for you. Now we're going to share communion together. And as many of you know, this is the first time we're going to share communion together since February. So things are going to be a little bit different. And I want to give some words of explanation this morning. First of all, we will have one deacon 
who will pray for the bread and the cup at the same time. Then the deacons will hand out the bread and the cup together. You will get them stacked one on top of the other. And we do want you to know, in case anyone is concerned, the bread, the wafer, is gluten-free, if that is a concern for you. Also, and again, I know we are in this unusual time, if you are still not comfortable taking communion from someone like this, you are free to refuse it. Just when they come to you, you can just tell them that you'd rather not at this time. That's fine. And then when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture and we will eat and drink together. So you will eat of the bread and drink of the cup at the same time. Now, in this particular service, I want to add also this. We have people watching by live stream. We have people at home watching us. How will this work for them? Well, while the deacons are serving communion, we will encourage you to use this as a time of meditation and reflection. There will be uh, a slide for you to look at, music that will be played, and so this will be an opportunity for you at home to use this as kind of a special time for meditation and for reflection. Well, at this time, we will have the Lord's Supper together.